me as a company and you as an influencer, we both are on a mission to connect with our audiences. Hey guys, it's your girl, Ashley Graham, and you are listening to Business Life and Coffee Podcast with your boy, Joey Price. Hey, what's up? And thank you for tuning into another episode of the Business Life and Coffee Podcast. This week, we're joined with Moshi Hurwitz, who is the business development manager of OuterNet, and he's the founder and managing director of Art & Fly. Now, what got my attention about this brother is that not only is he killing it out in Vegas right now at a conference at the time that we're recording this, but he really knows the influencer marketing space in and out. So much so that his company, Art & Fly, started with only $12,000 in the bank and it's grown to be a super successful e-commerce site. Now, how did he do that? We're going to unpack it a little bit with a bit of Q&A, but I want to just dive right in because I want to hear everything he's got to know about influencer marketing. Hey, man, thanks for coming to the podcast. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for that intro. Um, uh, slight, slight correction. I am the founder of Art & Fly. I'm no longer the managing director. I sold that company uh, two months ago to uh, uh, some very wonderful, wonderful people. I do advise to them still. I do love that company still. I'm very proud of it. Uh, but to, nowadays, I'm only I'm only doing uh, biz dev for outernets and uh, odds and you know a little bit of advising here and there. That's awesome, now, man. Yeah, thank you, man. I'm happy about. That whole journey, though, about me coming in and saying, hey, I want to open an online uh, brand and have it make me tons of money uh, and having actually done that successfully, which is the craziest part, of course. Um, so it did cost me 12000 to start. I started, um, the idea came to me at the uh, end of, um, at the summer of 2015. And when I came back from my summer travels uh, around September of 2015, I decided, hey, I should start an online business because that's where the world is going and I want my piece of the pie. Definitely. Uh, and, and, and I did. And I, you know, so I started looking at it like everybody else. What should I do? What kind of business? What kind of, you know, angle products, whatever. Um, and I came, you know, I came to I said, I'll start, you know, because of, you know, whatever reasons I said, I'll do art supplies, you know, pens, pencils, markers, that sort of a thing. And. I just I saw a specific gap in the market that when uh, a specific segment of people that went unserved or underserved and I said I'll build a company to serve them. Uh, I didn't know anything about art supplies. I didn't know anything about any of that. You know, it was just a business decision uh, based on the information that I saw. Uh, and I had twelve thousand dollars to start. To me, that was a world of money. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> hard saved um, over a long time. But, you know, I did it. I thought I had a plan. I thought I saw what I saw and I launched a set of pens. Uh, it st first sale started January of 2016. So that didn't take too long for me to go out and get up and running. So just and to clarify, I you started and essentially exited the business in about three years or less. Just shy of three years. Just shy yeah. of three years. All right, cool. I'm tracking. Yeah, I got Got a, a little, just shy of a million dollars. Yeah. Uh, when I walked out, about the nine fifty or so, including including um, a retained earnings um, that I got to keep at that point. Uh, and so it was pretty sweet. And me and my wife are humble people. It's just us, no kids. <laughs> uh, <laughs> humble lifestyle. So we're very very happy. Yeah. And you know, just as a side note, I thought this was the end. I didn't realize this was just the beginning uh, because the kind of like the e-commerce and, and just the, the digital market as a whole is so on fire 
and it's really still at its very, very early stages. I see that now after having dealt with a lot of companies since the sale. What are you, uh, what are you, what are you seeing in that market? Give us like three trends that you're seeing that people need to be paying attention to if they aren't already. Fair enough. I only speak from my, from my, uh, uh, you know, uh, limited point of view. But first of all. Um, it's getting better. Every year I hear people, or every, you know, so often I hear people saying, did I miss the boat? Did I miss the boat? No, you didn't miss the boat. Everybody, the real, the real motion into this arena is just in its early days. And so the, the market is very, very open for us and anyone. If you come with a, with a, with a good, you know, if you come with something good, that's, that's it. And that, and that would lead me to my second thing to say, which is that come with something good. Uh, several years ago, um, you could come in and you could sell anything with no competitive edge. It really, it really is, was true. Um, nowadays, you need a competitive edge because all the me too's, so to speak, uh, you know, have saturated both the market from their supply side as well as from the, you know, they've they've saturated the consumer from the from the buy side because one shift that I have, I think it's clear as day is that consumers, you know, me and you included, of course, we want a better experience now. We want a more uh, a more uh, accurate, a more tailored, a more individual experience. We want a higher quality experience. When we speak, when we, and when I say experience, I mean, when we deal with our, with our brands or like whoever it is that we shop from, whether it's uh, products or services or whatever, there's constantly companies out there that are improving on the experience that they give us. And when we experience that superior experience with this one brand, for example, if it's a customer service experience or, or a shopping experience or whatever, we now experience something better and we don't appreciate it from them. We are disappointed from everybody else that isn't giving it to us. That's yeah. what it is. The, 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 the level of expectation is raising. And I like that personally. I like barriers. The, the harder it is, the better, because I know that I'll make it there, but most won't. So, A, you're not too late to the party at all. Ask me in 10 years if you're late to the party. <laughs> B, come correct. Bring something real. Try, you know, understand that the direction is towards superior user experience, a more individual user experience and see what you would what you could do over there and uh, i mean that's really it that's i can there's millions of things that i can't come up with like a major yeah journals. well but, you know I say, I say watch your money man what it what very, it's, very careful. what it sounds like uh brother is that we are in an era where no longer can you and this kind of segues into the whole influencer marketing thing but customers aren't trusting the blanket sale like they want to feel that they have an individual connection with the with the brand that they're consuming and that is part of the influencer equation because influencers are people that they trust and if someone that I follow on my Instagram, for example, I've got a good friend, Dominique Broadway. Uh, she's in the financial space. So if she says, hey, I'm using this app, you should go check it out. Or I've got another guy, Anthony O'Neill in the finance space. If he says, hey, I just wrote this book. You need to check it out. It's going to help you save and prepare for your future. I'm going to check it out because I don't feel like I'm being sold to. I feel like I'm being uh, advised uh, in a way. So let's kind of pivot a little bit and talk about the role that influencers are playing in creating that custom experience. Happy to do that. I will preface one more thing that just came to me. I should have said that uh, before. Um, I like to look at um, the younger um, audience. 
um, because they are both the present. They're no longer the future. They're the present, but they're also the future. And so millennials and anybody following behind their, behind their footsteps, I'm just going to lay it out for you. You can debate it all you want. They do not give a shit about brands. All of the Procter Gamble, all of the legacy brands, Colgate, whatever, the kids couldn't care less. They couldn't care less what is what, what brand is written on uh, you know, the Colgate toothpaste or, you know, whether it's Duracell or Energizer batteries or Amazon basic batteries, they don't care. And that is a, that is a, a tectonic reality. It's a tectonic shift in, in, the, in all the boardrooms of all the biggest, uh, you know, Unilever or, or Procter & Gamble, et cetera, et cetera. They're just coming to terms with the fact that there are billions of dollars in annual advertising spending isn't having the effect that it used to have. Um, and what do these millennials do on it? Like you said, they want a more personal experience. They also want a better experience. A personal experience is a better experience. Uh, and so it's and so it's both. That's what they want. And why do I say all of that? Because if you couple what they want with the fact that the brands that are out there aren't really giving that to them and that they don't care about the, the legacy of those brands, what you have is an equal playing field for anybody to walk in, no matter your size. If it was me with twelve thousand dollars and no name, if you can come in and you can connect and you can bring something, then there's a place for you to exist and thrive. Now, the, the trouble really is with the traction, and that's what the influencers were all about to me. Um, I want to say that influencers, we all know what they are. They're people with uh, the ability to influence their followers, uh, whether, you know, whether we're talking about large, medium, or little influencers, you know, then we could talk about if it's micro-influencers or, you know, super-influencers or whatever. It's relevant. It's all the same. Uh, now, uh, for me... I opened an art supply brand I, to, to, you know, January 2016 was first sales. You know, nobody knows me. I came against the biggest companies. I, I purposely came to disrupt the biggest companies in my space. And brand loyalty is very, very hard to take away uh, from people in the art supply space as it is in other spaces as well. And so I, what I did is I, you know, I built my products for my customers. I went to all the groups of art supplies and I went to the admins of those groups and I said, hey, I'm building this art supply company. I'd love to connect with you, the admin of this, you know, Facebook group for drawing or whatever. That would be an influencer, right? I'd love to connect with you and I'd love to connect with the, uh, the people of your group. And then I went and I did that on Instagram and on YouTube. And I just, I contacted every influencer in the art space and I said, I don't want anything from you. I just want a conversation. I'm building this company and I'd love it if I could get your input so that I, I could build something that's better for you. Uh, and they connected to that first. And that's always, that's always my style, just so you know, is I, I, my goals are humble. I just want to get to know you. We'll see what we could do together later, if any. And well, but, so uh, what I heard you say is that you are connecting with people and you're looking for ways to deliver value up front as opposed to asking for something out of the gate. That's right. I'm saying I know that you want the products that I'm about to make. Because I, you're relevant to me. I've, that's why I've reached out to you. What I'm asking is if you can help me make them better for you um, and your followers. And I think it will be a lot of fun for us to participate in this. And that's exactly what happened. So when I sold, when I started soliciting uh, this, I, ha I was at product one. I sold, I was at close to 30 products. Their, uh, whether it's their design or their curation or both, uh, it was, you know, it was because of that very intentional uh, nonstop uh, reach out to my to my either uh, customers later on or mostly potential customers early on 
and just you know you see what they want to give them what they want and that that I mean, my God, man, like, uh, how can I lose? Or how can I win without that? How can I lose with it? How can I win without it? I'm giving them literally what they want. That's that's the advantage of a small and nimble company. And that's not even the traditional influencing yet. I mean, that's not influencing. That's them influencing me rather than me. Yeah. But, but, um, but I did build those relationships and I did or started to really much later. But um, And then the products start coming out and... You know, I got to tell you, I was learning this as I went along. I had no background at all in influencers. Uh, I opened my first Instagram account ever, ever, ever for that company. I had, I was, I was like, uh, Instagram. I got to figure this out now. So, are I you mean, seeing I'm, most I'm, of the influencers on Instagram, or are other channels more important for uh, influencers? YouTube is king. Instagram is a very, very close second. However, Instagram has a lot more activity in it. And so more often than not, you're going to find yourself most like, look, the platform is going to depend on the product. All right. Uh, if you got books, then you're probably going to be on Twitter. I'm just letting you know. I've, I've consulted to a publisher. You know, I've done a mark, uh, an influencing campaign for, for, for uh, you know, a partnership with uh, Penguin Random House and, and, and a couple others. And so your product, is, you, you know, your platform is going to depend on your product. But having having consulted to a large amount of, of, of companies and brands, I could just bottom line it for you. And I could tell you that more often than not, for, it's going to be uh, Instagram. It's going to be YouTube and Instagram more than anything else. Yeah, Pinterest is there. Yeah, um, Snapchat is there. Um, and to a lesser extent, uh, uh, Twitter and Facebook Live. They're really kind of worthless. They're they're good for like a, a number of, of specific things, but otherwise, but you got to know what they're good for and use them for that. Otherwise, don't waste your time. Um, but but YouTube is king because video is king, and then um, and they're the king of video, and it just works. Uh, uh, and and Instagram uh, is going to be the most used one. It's going to be used more than YouTube. It's just going to be slightly slightly less effective than YouTube. But there's a lot more activity there. There's a lot more people there with accounts, whether they're influencers or, or potential or, or target audience. There's just there's more there. So uh, so that's that. Um, now, you do have to choose the platforms that are right for you. And that could be anything that could even be none of them. That could just be like, you know, uh, maybe you're in some kind of, you know, niche where it's, it's strongly driven by blogs. Like, you know, for example, for just for example, if you want to know how to be a good marketer, you know, if you want to learn how to do good marketing, it ain't on Instagram. It is on YouTube, um, but it ain't it ain't it ain't on Instagram because, you know, while they're they're kind of there, all the you know all the people you can learn uh, uh, marketing from that you know they're they're obligatory there and most and and, and and barely that they're delivering their content mostly through their websites actually not even YouTube. They use YouTube to to you know be the top of the funnel to start to you know deliver uh, new traffic to their website but their website is where it's all at and so if you want to like influence in the marketing space you it's none of them it's really all about that hooking, hooking up with the right people and getting placement in their blogs or in their you know in their content um and so it depends on your product but having said having said that back to my former company you know as i started bringing in new products to market i was like i gotta sell these yeah yeah you know, and like the Amazon thing is working fine, but that's like, you know, I know I, I got to do something for myself. This isn't, this isn't it. It's not just me throwing it on the, on the Amazon or, or the dot com and that's it. And so I started uh, going back to those conversations with those, with those initial quote unquote influencers and what those people to help me build 
you know, the, the product line and the, and the angle and the personality for the brand and all that. They helped me define it by, you know, showing, telling me what they need. So I started tapping that as well. I said, how can I make this work for me? And essentially what I did, it's really, it's really simple. Um, I created awesome art supplies and I went to the biggest and every artist out there and I said, would you like to try them? And those that, those that got excited about the product and said, yes, um, I sent it to them. Those that said that they need money, I said, um, you guys are worth it. I can't do that right now. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd love to stay friends. So you were able to connect with influencers who were willing to, the ones that you have to pay for their services, you didn't start with them right away, but you no, did use the ones that were willing to do, I guess, a trade a trade off. Correct. And the offer for me was a strong offer at that. Uh, a, my, my art supplies are awesome. Uh, B, I said to them, look, I'm looking to build a relationship with you. Uh, And so you take these products and you try them. If you don't like them, don't use them. Don't do anything. Uh, Hell, post something, say you don't like them if that's what you want to do. Just uh, what I'm looking for is is an honest honest relationship. And so, uh, but if you do like them, then I promise you the following. I promise you, A, those products are good. Uh, B, you can have as many of them as you'd like. When you're done, let me know. I'll replenish whatever needs replenishing. C, uh, there's more products coming out all the time, and that offer stands for that too. And D, let's be real. Me and you, me as a company and you as an influencer, we we both are on a mission to connect with, uh, with our audiences. I'm happy to give you you know, a bunch of, you know, let's say three of these or five of those for you to be able to spot for, to sponsor, you know, an activity with prizes. So we're going to, you know, you're going to get a lot of traction and so will I. Uh, and so that was my offer. It was a pretty strong offer for no money. Uh, it wasn't just use my products. And, and you, you know, I do take really great care when I communicate with people. Uh, you know, I build the rapport. I try to build rapport. Uh, and so between all of that, I was able to actually get tremendous response. I mean, it, it, it was far, far beyond what I thought. And so, you know, if people are wondering, I started reaching out to, to, to an influencer to me at the time was you had to have 15,000 followers or more. And you had to have high, high relative engagement rate. That means that relative to the platform. So for example, if we're talking about YouTube and uh, Instagram, which I personally care about most, uh, on Instagram, if uh, so, if the engagement rate for a follower is 1% or below, I'm not interested. I mean, if they're going to do it for free, fine. If you're at 1%, okay. But if you're at like 0.1 or 0.2%, <laughs> or 0, I'm not interested. In even Can't use people. you. Yeah. Like, like, you know what I mean? I need you preferably to, to be at over over 1%. And once you start to hit on Instagram, once you start to hit 2 and 3%, then you're probably charging. And it'd be hard for me to, to get you to not. But, so, Masha, uh, we're, we're, gonna, we're heading to a close here, but you've got an incredible story, man. And I, I've been taking notes and I know that uh, what I like about your story, man, is that you're actually the first person on my podcast to talk about influencer marketing and the role that it plays. So really, it's groundbreaking for what we talk about here, but also it's groundbreaking as far as the conversations that are happening in marketing. If you have 60 seconds or less, where do you see influencer marketing going and what next step do people need to take in order to be a part of the conversation? Absolutely. Great, great question. 
Uh, influencer marketing started from the top to the bottom, from the biggest influencers out there. And and while those are awesome and they do get you traction fast, if you can get them, get them. Uh, what, what I see happening is uh, more and more uh, emphasis is being put on the micro-influencer and even the regular person on social media. I see a lot of brands uh, building entire strategies around activating uh, micro-influencers or even uh, the the layer below that, which is the regular people that are using products and are uh, active on social media. I think that's where it's going. That is harder to mobilize, but it has the widest and most powerful reach. As you said, it's, it's, it's perceived as a recommendation, not a sell. And the smaller the influencer, the, the more stronger their, re, their, their connection is to whomever few people they do have. That's what I'm seeing. I won't go at length into it right now, but that is, that is the direction. I'm Man, seeing. we'll have you back. We've got to do a webinar or something. Masha, thanks for coming on the podcast. How can people contact you? Uh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, M-O-S-H-E is my first name, H-E-R-W-I-T-Z, last name. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, always happy to connect. Hit me up with anything. If you've recently started a business, why take away time from what you're good at? Only to focus on difficult, pesky HR problems. Jumpstart HR LLC offers a better solution. Jumpstart HR provides HR outsourcing support to U.S.-based small businesses and startups and was recently ranked among the top 10 HR outsourcing firms in the country, according to businessnewsdaily.com. From recruitment to employee handbooks to legal compliance, Jumpstart HR helps you get peace of mind about the people in your business. Visit jumpstart-hr.com for more information or follow on Twitter at jumpstarthr. Jumpstart HR, let's build a better business together. If you've recently started a business, why take away time from what you're good at? only to focus on difficult, pesky HR problems. Jumpstart HR LLC offers a better solution. Jumpstart HR provides HR outsourcing support to U.S.-based small businesses and startups and was recently ranked among the top 10 HR outsourcing firms in the country, according to businessnewsdaily.com. From recruitment to employee handbooks to legal compliance, Jumpstart HR helps you get peace of mind about the people in your business. Visit jumpstart-hr.com for more information or follow on Twitter at JumpstartHR. Jumpstart HR, let's build a better business together.